Well, praise the Lord for that. Amen. I told you a week of camp will change a person's life. One time a young man got saved on a Thursday night and he was cleaning his shotgun out on Saturday afternoon and I preached his funeral on Tuesday after the camp. He got saved five days before he went to hell. And that's how important camp is. So I believe in it. And I'm telling you, I've seen lives changed. I've seen souls saved because of saturation of the word and separation from the world. If you have your Bibles, just turn for a few minutes. I won't preach long. They've already preached. These girls have preached good. Boys preach good. And I'm proud of them. And I'll always commend them for one thing, and that's praising God. I'll tell you this. It's delightful when young ladies and young men praise preaching. You know, right now there's a lot of camps going contemporary where they have a rock and roll concert, smoke coming up out of the uh, floor, and, and they rock and roll the whole time. I've seen pictures of it. I couldn't believe it. And uh, they didn't come home praising God for preaching. I guarantee you they praise God for the atmosphere. And so thank the Lord for old-fashioned camp like Sand Mountain. It's a blessing. I'm in a series on how to how to rear godly children to glorify God. And uh, we've been in a few weeks on Sunday night, and last week we preached on setting an example. First week we preached on creating an atmosphere of respect and fear of the Lord. Uh, we preached on uh, also spending time with your children. And tonight I want to preach just a, a little bit on uh, discipline. Discipline. You know, to be a good Christian... You've got to be disciplined. Uh, disciple, the word disciple comes from discipline one. There's a cost of discipleship. I want to tell you something. It takes discipline to uh, go by the rules at camp, to do without your phone. Some of you had DTs the first night. I'm sure y'all shaking, you know, but, you know, really not because when you replace that junk with, and not all of uh, all this junk, I communicated with my daughter this afternoon by way of, Something, I don't know how we communicated, but uh, she always gets me when she calls and her picture's on there, and then I realize my picture's on there. You know, I make sure I got my shirt on, tie on, and everything, you know, and just talk. And so it's a good use to it. But I want to tell you something when you replace that with spiritual things, uh, carnal things just not as important. Amen? So always a positive. And that's what I want to preach on tonight is how we need to not only uh, fathers uh, love our children. And we need to lead our children. But let, third of all, I want to say this. We need to limit our children. We need to limit our children. I guarantee you, there's a lot of people wish they had some boundaries in their life. They have none. I preached to them Tuesday. A fellow from Athens, Georgia, begged me to stay and lead him to the Lord. I could tell uh, he had no limits in his life. He had no boundaries. He had no father. He had no mother. I'll give you some statistics about why I believe our country is going down the tubes. It's because of the crisis of no fathers. But I want you to look at Proverbs chapter 23, verse 13 through verse 15. I'll try to be as brief as I can uh, because I know you're tired from a lot of activity, but boy, this has refreshed me. And I thank God for it. What a, what a week. Appreciate Brother Justin Gasway. I tell you, he's a He's a great young man of God, building a great church up at uh, Ringo. Proverbs 23, verse 13 through 15. 
you'll stand in awe of the Word of God. After Wesley's testimony, I hope I'm prayed up. Amen? Verse 13. Verse 13. Um, the Bible says, well, let's go back to verse 12. Apply thy heart unto instruction and thy ears to the words of knowledge. Listen to this now. Withhold not correction from thy child, the child. For if thou beatest him with the rod, he shall not die. Thou shalt beat him with the rod and shall deliver his soul from hell. My son, if thy heart be wise, my heart shall rejoice, even mine. Now that last verse says, if you'll just have some wisdom, that means see this world through God's eyes, and also see sin through God's eyes, that means it's not worth it, it's just not worth it, then you'll make your daddy, the Bible says this, glad. It says, my heart shall rejoice. But not only you make your Father on this earth glad, you'll make God in heaven glad. So let's be seated, and I'll just preach just an introduction to this message. Father, it thrills my heart to think about all the preaching that's went on this week. Hours and hours and hours, and to most youth that would be very boring, uh, very laborious, and very restricting. God, I think these young people came back free and excited about spiritual things. Lord, I can't think of another uh, thing that thrills a daddy's heart more than that the children love the truth. And so, Lord, I pray to God that you'd continue in these young people's lives to just bless them and be a blessing. And they wouldn't get over this and start clicking and clacking in about three weeks. But God, they'd just stay close to you and thus close to each other. Lord, bless their homes. And I pray to God that you'd bless the fathers tonight on this Father's Day night to be the godly fathers that you've called them to be. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, the Bible tells us that um, a great nation is based on the fathers ruling the house. It's Genesis chapter 18, and I believe it's verse 16 through 18 about, he said, Abraham, I'll make you a great nation because you rule over your house. Now, folks, it didn't mean that he's a caution light in the, uh, in the room and just interacts with his children during commercials. It doesn't mean that he's the uh, hotel lobbyist. Uh, that he's just there and live and make a living. It says he'll rule over his house. And folks, I want to tell you there's a crisis today that really upsets me. And that crisis is this, the fatherless factor in America. Do you realize 63% of all youth suicides are from fatherless homes? That's more than 50%. And folks, I want to tell you something. It's an epidemic today in America how many young people are committing suicide. Well, 63% of them is because they ain't got a daddy. They ain't got somebody in the house that they can talk to. They don't have any somebody in the house that will discipline them and tell them there is some boundaries. That's five times the average. Folks, 90% of all homeless and runaway children are fatherless homes. 32 times the average. 85% of all children who show behavior disorders are from fatherless homes. 80% of all rapists with anger problems, come from fatherless homes. 71% of all high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. Fatherless children are twice as likely to drop out of school. Children with fathers who are involved um, 
are 40% less likely to repeat a grade in school. Children with fathers who are involved are 70% less likely to drop out of school. Children with fathers who are involved are more likely to get A's than F's. Children with fathers who are involved are more likely to enjoy school and engage in extracurricular activity. Folks, there's a crisis in America. And folks, this drug abuse is killing everybody. Uh, you just don't realize the epidemic of meth in Whitfield County. 70% of youth in state-operated institutions come from fatherless homes. 70% of those I've been preaching to for 38 years at the YDC, 70% of them come from fatherless homes. And 85% of all youth in prison come from fatherless homes. I said 85% of all the youth in prison come from fatherless homes. And so I gave you these statistics. They sound pretty boring and they sound pretty awful. And, but I want to tell you something, friend. There's a crisis in America. Now listen, I know y'all ate a lot, but don't click me off right now. Amen? Stay tuned. And folks, I think we ought to, fathers, love our children. As I preached last week, lead our children. But last but not least, we need to limit our children. There needs to be some boundaries of protection. It's called discipline. Let me just say this, the opposite of love is not always hate, it's apathy. What we need today is men of God that will assume the role of fatherhood as a great responsibility and that it's one that should not be taken lightly and that we ought to realize that these statistics are not just statistics. Folks, we need to realize that God has called us to make a difference in our children's life. It thrilled me today that all four of my children spoke to me. It thrills me today that my children want to come home. George W. Bush said the greatest accomplishment I've ever had is my children still want to come see me. Amen. There's a lot of children who don't want to see their parents. And the reason is their parents forsook them when they were little kids. And folks, we need to have a revival of fatherhood in America. Say amen. 2.9 million children are being raised by their grandparents in the USA. And I want to tell you something, that makes me tired. Because I can't raise no children anymore, say amen. If I could, I'd adopt a whole crew of them. If I had a little more energy, just a little more. If I could just stay up with Larry Styles, I'd be alright. But 2.9 million children are being raised by grandparents, and grandparents shouldn't raise their children. It ought to be mamas and daddies that raise their children. There's 14,300 foster kids in Georgia. 88% increase in the number of children in the system over the last five years. I'll tell you why. Because mama's on drugs, daddy's in jail, and the grandparents are dead or they don't care. And folks, I want to tell you something. That's not God's will. That's not God's will. And I just, I just want to say it clearly and honestly and with all due respect to all those that's come Without your parents, it scares me what the future of America is going to be like. Because that's going to be our leaders. And folks, I want to tell you something. It's scary the crisis we're in of no fathers and grandparents raising their children. Let me just say in the area of discipline, number one, you need to realize your child is not perfect. Can somebody say amen to that? 
Now, you might think they are, but they're not. Because they are kin to Adam and Eve. Amen? And last time I checked, there's an Adamic nature that draws them to sin. Now, thank God for these young people. They're good uh, children. And thank the Lord somebody's raised them right. Or God, somebody's sent somebody to care to intercept that, that lonely life. Your child's not perfect. He's a sinner. Look at Proverbs 22, verse 6. Proverbs 22, verse 6, real quick. The Bible says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. But going down to verse, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, verse 15. It says, Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. Now, I know a lot of you don't like this message, especially you that's never been whooped, spanked, corrected, put in the uh, corner, quiet time, whatever you do to your kids. I mean, take away their uh, Armageddon or their car or whatever you do to discipline. Don't let them eat chocolate bars or whatever. You ought to do some kind of discipline, amen? But folks, listen, the Bible tells us that there's foolishness bound up in their heart. Now, I want to just say this real quick. I believe what discipline teaches a child is that they are not perfect and they need a daddy. And they need a mama to set some limits. Boundaries of protection. Let me just give you a few verses in closing. And I'll ask you to listen very closely. Number one, discipline teaches a child the consequences of sin is worse than the pleasure of sin for a season. I want you to turn to Proverbs chapter 20, verse 30. Now I'm in the book of wisdom, and I'm going to give you these verses. It says in verse 30, The blueness of a wound cleanses away evil, so do stripes the inward parts of the belly. Folks, we ought to realize and help children realize that the wage of sin is a lot of trouble. And the main trouble is that they're in trouble with you if they sin. But if you're just so cautious and so kind and you're their buddy, and you're their best friend, and you never discipline your child, they're going to grow up and shame you. You might think they're perfect. You might think they're just the sweetest thing in the world. But I want to tell you something, friend. That's what my mama thought, but she she knew better. And I want to tell you something. Inside our heart, we need to learn this lesson. That was fun, that sin. But it's not going to be fun when mama or daddy get a hold of me. Amen? But I want to tell you something. In Proverbs chapter 23, verse 14, in our text, real quick, just going to read you a few verses. It says, Withhold not correction from the child, without obedience from the rod, he shall not die. Folks, listen, the pleasure of sin for a season, the consequences of sin is worse than pleasure of sin for the season. So, number one, you ought to teach them there is a consequence for sin. Number two, you ought to teach them that you love them. And then you know what's best for them. Look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6 through 8. Hebrews 12, 6 through 8. Hebrews 12, 6 through 8. Doesn't hurt a bit to be disciplined. What hurts is some people don't have anybody to discipline. Hebrews 12, 6 says this, For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Now folks, those are strong words. Chasten and scourgeth. I'm, folks, I'm going to tell you something. 
The Lord our Father loves us enough to correct us. I like that, don't you? Uh, some people say once saved, always saved. You can live like you want to. Number one, you don't want to. But number two is you're scared to. Because the Father knows how to discipline you. Look at these next verses. Verse 7. If you endure chastening, God dealeth with you as sons. For what son is him who the Father chasteneth not? Well, I want to tell you something. There's a lot of sons growing up in America that are not chastened because they don't have a father. They don't have a mother. She's working all the time. They're raised uh, on their own standard, their own schedule, and I'm going to tell you something, they're running wild. And folks, I'm going to tell you, they're going to grow up, and this, this world's going to be hard to live in as it is already today. But look at verse 8. But if ye be without chastisement, whereof are all partakers, then you're bastards and not sons. That means you're not really saved. If you're not corrected by a heavenly Father that loves you, you're not really saved. And folks, I want to tell you something. You can't get away with sin. I'm going to tell you the Father knows where you're at, and He's going to come looking for you. Amen? And He's going to get you. But He's going to correct you. Why? Because He's a mean God? Because He's a Marine sergeant that wants you to snap to? No, He's a loving Father that limits you and not to live out of the will of God. And folks, He makes it miserable when you do. Thank God for a Father like that. You ought to thank God that you have a father that loves you enough to chase it. But look at verse 9. Furthermore, you have a father of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be subjection to the father of the spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chasten us after their own pleasure, but he for a prophet that he might be partakers of holiness. And folks, what he's saying is this in verse 11. Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous, nevertheless, after it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness and them which are exercised thereby. Folks, it yields a life of living right. It lives a life of peaceable fruitfulness. It helps you abide in Him and His words abide in you, and you can bear forth fruit for His glory and His honor. And so number one, discipline. Discipline your children. And it seems like this is not even a subject that ought to be dealt with, but you'd be surprised how many parents don't believe in the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs tells us to discipline our children. And folks, it teaches that consequences of sin is worse than the pleasure of sin for a season. It teaches them that God the, God the Father and God, the earthly father and the earthly mother that disciplines knows what's best for you and wants to help you. But then number three... And I'll try to close. It teaches you to respect authority. Especially the authority of the Word of God. I want you to look at those verses in Proverbs 23. And the first time I read them, I said, how could this be? But look at verse 13. Withhold not correction from thy child. Proverbs 23, you with me? If thou beatest him with a rod, he shall not die. Thou shalt beat him with the rod, and thou shalt deliver his soul from hell. Now how does a whipping or a, a, or a chastening or correction, or discipline, keep a person out of hell. I'll tell you how. Because, friend, they must respect authority. They must respect that somebody is in charge. That somebody has the word on it. And folks, if a person grows up in an atmosphere of no restraint, no responsibility, no discipline, when they listen to me preach at the YDC, they think I'm the craziest, ball-headed preacher they'd ever heard in their life. 
But if you got an old boy that shows up, he had a godly grandmother, maybe he had a godly uh, father or mother that disciplined him, and he went way off into sin, and he ends up in jail, and then he respects me enough, and he respects the Word of God enough to listen because he's been taught that he ought to have some respect, he'll get saved. And that makes all the difference. It's just the difference in being wise and a fool. You can't teach a fool nothing. You reprove a fool and he'll scorn you. But I want to tell you something. You can reprove a wise person and he'll thank you. That's the difference. And so when do we teach this? How do we teach this? Well, we begin early. Look at Proverbs 19, verse 18. I'm going to get to my point and we'll go. I promise you. i got a whole lesson on how to discipline your children. And I promise you, if you did this, you wouldn't have to discipline much. It says, Chasten thy son, Proverbs 19, 18. Chasten thy son while there is hope. And let not thy soul spare for his crying. Folks, when he, I'll tell you when there's hope. When they're babies. Young. I mean, infants. And on up, you teach them, no, that's wrong. You don't do that. You don't talk back to mama. You do not slap mama. You do not backhand daddy. You just don't do that, amen? If you do that, there'll be a consequence, amen? And they can be three years old, four years old, five years old. And I'll tell you something, Planned Parenthood would uh, try to put me in jail right now for preaching this, but they can just go ahead and jump in the lake. But I want to say this, friend, the Bible tells us in the formative years, we set a foundation. The word father comes from a word that means setting a foundation. And folks, the foundation for all sanity and the foundation for all peace and all righteousness is a father that loves God and loves his children enough to discipline them. You love them, you lead them, but you limit them. They're not grown up yet. They do not do what they want to do. Thank God for your, you parents that uh, protect your children by not letting them stay out all night. Thank God for you parents that teach your children to date godly people and not just go out with some heathen because he's cute or he's a hunk or he has abs or whatever he shows off. God help you. Uh, he can score a touchdown. I mean, you know, any dummy can run a football over a line. Amen? I even played soccer in college. It don't take much. It don't take much at all. Just a bunch of discipline, a lot of running. Stay skinny and stay fast. That's all it takes to be a good athlete. But I want to tell you this, friend. It takes something to be a good man of God. And folks, the foundation, formative years, they learn 90% of all they're going to learn about attitude, character, between one and seven. And so listen, if 85% of the people in jail don't even have a daddy, if this world, what is it, thousands, 14,000 people in foster care in Georgia, a lot of them's in it to get money, $25 a day, and they get as many as they can, and get more food stamps, and those kids are just ignored. They're abused. Brother Tony told me some horrible stories about the foster families he was in. How they abused him and hurt him. And then the Howas came along and adopted him and brought him into a Christian atmosphere. He's preaching one of the greatest churches in the land area now. Wrote that book y'all got this morning. 
Folks, for whom the Lord loveth, he's scourged and chastened every son who receives him. The Bible says you'll send your children to hell if you don't discipline them. Because they'll never respect God's word. When they come in this church, all they'll do is play video games in the pew and go straight to hell. That's right. Oh, no, I don't want to restrain him. He, you know, he wouldn't be here if he didn't have his video games. Hey, listen, put the thing up, get the Bible out, mark it and follow it and say amen, lean forward, stay awake, and watch Daddy as he listens to the gospel. Amen? Y'all baby your kids to death. They're going to grow up as pouting teenagers and pitiful adults. Mark my word, it's coming. I'm trying to be your friend and preach to you and tell you that you need to have some limits. And when you come in the house of God, you ought to listen to the word of God and the man of God. If he raises his voice, you ought to say amen. Some of you look at me like you're the most bored person in the world and kids look at your life and say, well, it's not important to them, it must not be important to me. We ought to be enthusiastic leaders. You ought to be cheering the man of God on. You ought to be praying for him. Because I'm going to tell you something, the best friend you ever had is a preacher to preach against sin and preach for your family and preach that your marriage will stay together and if folks, the best friend you ever had is a preacher to preach the Bible whether you like it or not. We need to respect authority. The way you listen is the way you respect, the way you respond. It wouldn't, it wouldn't hurt some of you daddies to get, come down this altar when you don't have nothing to pray about except your, your kids. That's right. You got everything all together. But it wouldn't do it wouldn't do them a, it would do them real good if they got up and they saw you get up from this altar like I saw Daddy this morning with tears streaming down his cheeks. It would do them good to know that God was breaking you and God was convicting you of some mistakes and God was dealing with you, Amen. That you didn't sit there like a stump on the log and ready to leave time you get here. Say Amen right there. God help us to wake up. We're losing a generation. We're losing our children. Folks are in jail. 85% of them's in jail saying, I wish I'd had a daddy. When they're sentenced to death, I wish I had a daddy. A boy raped and killed a 19-year-old girlfriend. He's sentenced to life in Newton County, about three blocks from Brother Tony's church. I guarantee you that boy probably just needed a daddy. Maybe he had a great daddy, I don't know. But I want to tell you something, friend. They'd have to climb over Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John to act like that if they were in my family. Say amen. We need to set the standard. We need to set a limit. Oh, let me just close. We need to discipline early. We need discipline because we love. We need discipline to teach them the consequences of sin. But we need to discipline them consistently. I don't know about you, but I found out that parenting is a long-term process. Say amen. I'm still a parent. Now I've got grandchildren I want to help. I've got a bunch of them. And I have to discipline them. I don't do much of it, but I, I get on them once in a while. And I'm trying to set the example for them. I want them to know Papa loves Jesus. I want them to know Papa loves God. I want them to know Papa's faithful. But look at Proverbs 13, 24. We got to go. I, you, young people, y'all took all my time. That's wonderful. Praise God. I'm glad. You can take all my time anytime you want to, bragging on Jesus. Amen. What a blessing. Proverbs 13, verse 24. He that spareth his rod hateth his son. But he that loveth him chasteth him be times. You know what be times means in the King James Version? That means consistently. 
you know, sometimes we're not consistent. We discipline one day and then the next day we let them act like wild Comanches because we just wore out. We're tired of it, amen? We're tired of going and getting the bolo paddle or whatever you spank them with. And you ought to spank a child properly in the place where God's padded. Say amen. Don't slap them upside the head. Amen. Come on now. God, God ordained a proper place for you to be spanked. Can somebody identify with that? I'm warming up right now. I think about my mother wearing my hind end out. That wasn't too dignified on Father's Day, was it? She wear my hind end out. Amen. I almost was too lenient on my children because it's, it's, it, it's too strict, too lenient, too strict, too lenient, too strict. Your daddy was too strict on you, so now you're too lenient. And there's all kinds of Just go by the Bible, amen? Proverbs chapter 13, verse 24 says it's a long process. Never let a child disrespect their mama. Amen? If they ever disrespect their mama, rip up their t-shirt and show them their navel. I'm preaching now. Because I'm going to tell you something. They were connected to that mama. And that mama went through the jaws of death. And that mama brought her, uh, him, her, you and into this world and folks it's by the life that your mama gave you and you ought to respect her and there's one thing that I really overdid is when my children ever disrespected their mama if they ever even looked like they were going to disrespect her it was daddy on them amen don't you disrespect mama if you don't like what she said or how she said it do it anyway amen but that, I said, no, hey, they don't buts about it, amen? Mama is mama, and mama is to be adored, and mama is to be respected. Folks, listen, there's no debate about it. Don't try to out-yell your children. Don't try to out-reason your children. Folks, try to reason with them. Folks, just listen, heat up the rear end, and the earwax will melt. Well, that's profound, Amen. It wasn't original, but it sure sounds good. Amen. Hey, you should cultivate. And here's the last point. Y'all thought I was just mad at the world. None of these folks like me, but that's all right. About whipping, whooping. You ever had one? Anybody had one? Anybody? Okay, testify, Trey. Amen. Okay, good. You need another one. No, but anyway, listen, we all need another one. Amen. I thank God for my mother. While my daddy was passed out, she was passing out the, uh, the discipline. Thank God for her. But I want to say this and I'll close. Daddy, if you don't get anything else, get this. Cultivate a relationship with your children. Listen, some of you men are so passive, so uninvolved. I mean, you're almost like a guest for supper. It ought not be. Mama takes care of the finances. Mama takes care of the children. You, 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 you hardly ever discipline your children. You ever talk, speak to your children. Uh, you're just making a living. Folks, listen. The greatest discipline should be the loss of fellowship with their father and with their mother. What's the Bible say in James chapter 4? Draw nigh to God, he'll draw nigh to you. Amen. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. First thing is a relationship. Let me just close and say this. When you build a relationship, you don't provoke your children to anger and your discipline and to wrath, but with the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Folks, I want to tell you something. You ought to love them so much 
that they don't want to disappoint you. Amen? You know, there was a group of girls doing something they ought not do, and one of the head rounders that was provoking them to do everything wrong said, hey, I know what's wrong with you. You're afraid your daddy's going to hurt you when you get home. Because it's 2 o'clock in the morning, and we're doing this, and uh, and you're, gonna, you're afraid that you're going to get hurt by your daddy when you get home. And she started tearing up and she looked at him and says, No, I'm afraid I'm going to hurt daddy. And I will not do that. Now that's a relationship. We ought to have that relationship with the Heavenly Father. Is that we love him so much we don't want to disappoint him. You know, the Bible tells us in Colossians chapter 3, verse 20. This will be the last verse I'll read. Colossians. Uh, tonight, amen. Unless God takes me home. Look at this, Colossians 3.20, please. Colossians 3.20. The Bible says this, and I'll close. I've enjoyed this series on discipline. Matter of fact, I've got a, about a three-page how to minister discipline that's proof positive evidence that you won't have to do it much if you'll go through this routine. So you ought to grieve when you, when you discipline. You ought, to, you ought to have confession when you discipline. You ought to have a time to cool down when you discipline. You know what most men do and most ladies do when they discipline children? They just slap them. And then they fuss at them and they fuss at them and they fuss at them and they never get over it. And I mean for three or four days you're still fussing at them with that one thing. Well folks, I want to tell you something. A, a great way to discipline is grieve, discipline, help them confess it, let them sit in their room for about 20 minutes and then get over it. And go on and have a happy life. Smile, love them and hug them that's all, it's all in this ritual that I'll give you if any of you want it. But let, let me show you in Colossians 3.20 the bottom line of this whole thing. The Bible says this. I'll close. It says, Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Hey, when you, when you obey your parents, you please God. When you insist that they be obedient. And when you insist they be respectful. When you take their privileges away when they're not respectful to mama. And they're not obedient. And they do stay out past the curfew. And they do uh, do some terrible things. Then folks, God is pleased because you are saying, obey me. And folks, a great practice in life is obedience. It's the only way to abide is obedience. So when you teach your children by discipline, obedience, then fathers, you'll be the best friend they ever had. And you'll be a representative of the Heavenly Father. In 1993, by the way, D.L. Moody said this. He said, I have lived over 60 years. I have learned one thing. If I have learned nothing else, no man or woman who dishonors father or mother will ever prosper. He said, I've learned this, one thing, that no man or woman who disrespects or dishonors their father and mother will ever prosper. But in 1993, in the Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown, New York, it was being remodeled, and as the workers moved to the display cabinet, they found an old photo tucked behind the case where all the memorabilia was, and it was a photo of a man in a baseball uniform with the words Sinclair Oil on the shirt. And stapled to the picture was a note that said, You were never too tired to play ball with me. On your days off, 
You helped build the Little League field. You always came to watch me play. You were a Hall of Fame dad. I wish I could share this moment with you. And after investigation, it seems that the ball player in the, in the photograph was the father of a man who was proud of his father. I don't know which Hall of Famer he was. I don't know which baseball player he was that was inducted in. But he believed that his father deserved a special recognition. So he decided to honor his father by holding a little ceremony to conduct his father into the Hall of Fame. And his son was saying, Dad, you deserve a place alongside the best. You were a Hall of Fame father. And I pray, God, that every father here deserves to be a Hall of Fame father. What does it profit a man if your child can hit a home run? father teaches him to be a great athlete and he makes millions of dollars and his wife won't stay with him, his kids won't respect him, and he loses everything he has. What does it profit a man if we raise a child that grieves the Holy Spirit, grieves the Father, See, the bottom line is this, consistent, Christ-like, compassionate discipline instills the fear of God in children. And I'm convinced of this fact, Brother Randy, they're going to have to learn to fear their authority, their daddy, their earthly father. That means respect, not, not be fearful, but respect before they'll respect their Heavenly Father. So we ought to love them. We ought to lead them. Hey, friend, we ought to limit them. And then I'll, my next point is, and I ain't got time to go to it, we ought to laugh with them. That's deep, isn't it? We ought to have fun with them. We ought to smile. We ought to enjoy this thing called fatherhood. Amen. It's a blessing. I mean, it's a blessing to think about them doing something for God. Passing the baton one day, I'll be gone. I believe I got a son that can take up the take the baton. That's better than being Victorian of Southeast High. Amen. That's better than being the point guard that gets a scholarship at Reinhardt. Folks, I want to tell you something. The thrill of my life and the joy of my life. It's my children. And I know I haven't been a good father like I should, but I've tried. I know they've got a great mama, and that's what salvaged the whole thing. But I want to say this. The greatest privilege you have is to love your children, lead your children, but limit your children. And set up some boundaries of protection. Because I want to tell you something. Sin will ruin their life. I said, I said, sin will ruin their life. Satan is going to devour them. These punks are going to try to capture them, marry them. It'll break your heart. It'll break your heart. And it all starts when they're just little children. And you said, there's a limit. You're not going to go there. 
You're not going to do that. You're not going to listen to that music. You're not going to dance to that tune. I was criticized many, many times by even church members, and they left this church because they thought I was too strict with my children. But I don't apologize because they knew I loved them, and I still do. But I believe the greatest protection they have is a godly father that says, I love you, and because I love you, there's a limit. And I want to keep you in that boundary of God's will so you can be protected, so you can be blessed, so you can have a precious future and one day raise your little children up in the nurture and admonition and discipline of the Lord. Father, we don't call you Father just as a beginning of a sentence of a prayer. God, we thank you for being a loving Father with limits. God, you said thou shall not. Lord, I don't look at that as a restriction. I look at that as a boundary of protection. Lord, I look at it as your love for me as your child. God, help us as fathers on this Father's Day night. We've seen how thrilled these youth are to be in an atmosphere of godliness for a whole week. How, Lord, it ought to be our home every day. And God, I pray, dear Lord, that we'd lovingly, compassionately set limits on our children's life. And one day... They'll pitch a fit now. They'll throw a temper tantrum now. They'll pout, whine, and complain now. But one day, when they come by that casket, they see Daddy's hand that wore them out, but see Daddy's heart, cared enough to correct them. They'll call him blessed. Thank you, Lord, for fathers that love their children, that lead their children, but God, that they discipline their children. They limit their children. And God, may we create a relationship that causes the little girls and little boys grow up and say, I don't want to hurt daddy or mama. And I don't want to hurt God. I just want to live right because of that relationship that we've created of love. God, help us to be the most loving daddies that this world's ever seen. But at the same time, help us, God, to have the wisdom to go by the book and set some limits.